nice up here, isn't it? Kermit? Hmm? What if we drift out to sea? What if we're never heard from again? What, what if there's a storm? Or we get struck by lightning? That'd be neat. Listen, nothing's gonna happen. This is just the opening credits. Oh. If you could ask God any one question and you knew he would give you an answer right now, what would you ask him? What would you ask? Well, it may not be surprising, but by far, the number one questions that Americans ask is why does God allow pain and suffering in the world? Does that surprise you? Didn't surprise me. You know, if you've never asked the question, why is there suffering? Why is there pain in the world? The chances are you will when it strikes you full force or it strikes a loved one full force. And you know what? It's going to come. It's going to come. Jesus was honest. Jesus said, you're going to have suffering. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, you will have suffering in this world. You will. But why? All I could do would be to look at you and give you a four-word answer. I do not know. I don't know. I don't know. I cannot stand in the shoes of God and give a complete answer to that question. I don't have the mind of God. I don't have the eyes of God. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. You don't know why suffering? I do. 1 Corinthians 13 12 For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. It's a mind-boggling cult, Christianism. These people who are supposed to be the priests, repeat they don't understand their books. But why repeat them if you don't understand them? From symbol in the symbolic, ancient Egypt, science, and the evolution of consciousness by Ari Schwaller de Lubitsch. When you reject the objectification. In reality, esotericism is as old as humanity, but hitherto the state of intelligence of this esotericism belonged only to isolated individuals. The symbol demonstrates the esotericism which, by means of the symbolic, unifies that which is divided and puts an end to the problem of causality. The cause, apparently outside of the system, is in it, eternally united and present. It is this life of the symbol, its esotericism, identifying with this life, that is reality. Common people perceive reality without seeing the causes, mechanisms, or, very rarely. And if this consciousness is particular for each person, since each individual, according to his faculties, may or may not recognize it at the state of the moment, it remains nonetheless universal, present, just as a universal container can hold all forms, just as the light synthesis can offer all appearances. For esotericism, a problem of original causality does not exist. Nature, on the other hand, is the world of the creature, everything in it is dualized in its appearance, the mind, which is cerebrally perceptible for us. This is the exoteric world, the world which, for us, is outside of ourselves, objective. Only that which is invariable and undivided is real, the present moment, which is eternal and indivisible, cerebrally incomprehensible, but known through our innate consciousness, the spirit. This is the esoteric world, in which high and low, front and back, right and left, cease to be. A research without illumination is the character of modern Western science. 
This indecision colors everything, art as well as social organization, and even, in many cases, faith. The West is ignorant of that serenity of which all of ancient Egypt bears the imprint. And of all the ancient civilizations where esotericism was the law. Our exoteric evolution, through the Greek metaphysical phases, leading currently to an exclusive rationalism, has given us, owing to the necessity for analysis, a mentality of complexity which today prevents us from seeing simply. To cultivate oneself to be simple and to see simply is the first task of anyone wishing to approach the sacred symbolic of ancient Egypt. This is difficult because the obvious blinds us. One forgets, for example, that in sitting down to relax, all the fatigue goes to the thighs, the support of the body. It is therefore worthwhile to study their role in the vital economy and the importance they have in terms of the symbolic. One forgets that in sleeping to restore one's energy, the simple fact of eliminating cerebral consciousness enables us to draw from the universal source of life, which might induce us to seek out, and find, its deeper cause. In order to know the true secrets of life, it is necessary to abandon scientific reasoning, which is quite seductive but deceptive, and to learn how to examine that which, because we see it, we no longer observe. These things were known to the ancients. Pharaonic Egypt is essentially practical. Moderns are not. To believe oneself outside of nature shows it, to want to eradicate a virus shows how much the western or the modern is cut off from nature. There are two types of suffering, one brings towards the interior, the esoteric, the other externalizes, the exoteric. One leads to peace, the other to the pleasure of destruction of within. Give yourself a gift for Christmas, get rid of your entourage. From East and West, Comparative Studies in Pursuit of Tradition by Julius Evola. Everything is in God, which, instead of culminating in the personal God, like monotheism, ends in what Rudolf Otto calls theopendism the essential morphological differences existing between religious thought and metaphysical thought, between esotericism and exotericism, between metaphysics and simple faith. Here is the way in which the problem is faced, on the one hand, there is a spiritual hemisphere including Jews, Christians, and Muslims, which conceives of the Absolute as a person, opposite to it there is another spiritual hemisphere, inclusive of Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, Confucianism, and Shintoism for which the Absolute in its ultimate and transcendent divine reality is impersonal, and is personal only in its relative aspects and in its imminent manifestation. The girdle comes out crooked. Very good. But there is no perfect diamond. In este mundo nada es perfecto, as my father would say. You're Sephardic? Yes. Do you know Spain? I do. And spare me.
At one time I thought she would return from the grave, but that is not to be. Every country that has driven out the Jews has suffered the same fate. Which is? <laughs> you don't want to hear. We should talk stones. The most valued stone is the red diamond from the Argyle mines. So very rare. I've seen two in a long life. A price almost beyond belief. I do want to hear. Uh, well, how to say? There's no culture save the Semitic culture there. The last known culture before that was the Greek, and there will be no culture after. Nothing. That's a bold claim. The heart of any culture is to be found in the nature of the hero. Who is that man who is revered? In the classical world, it is the warrior, but in the Western world, it is the man of God. From Moses to Christ, the prophet, the penitent. Such a figure was unknown to the Greeks, unheard of, unimaginable. Because there is only a man of God, not a man of gods. And this God is the God of the Jewish people. But in this case, it is no longer a question of the presence or non-presence of the conception of God as a person, but of the rank assigned to this conception in a given system. Judaism has indeed known the Kabbalah, Islam, Sufism, and in the case of the traditions of antiquity, Pythagoreanism, Neoplatonism, and many traditions of the mysteries have been characterized as well by the recognition of that dimension of the absolute that transcends the personal, theistic God. In Christianity itself, both in its origins, especially in Dionysius the Areopagite, Irenaeus, Synesius, and many others, and in the great mystics or theologians that we might say are of the dry path such as Scotus Origina, Meister Eckhart, Tauler, etc., we find here and there references to this superior metaphysical dimension. To characterize the Eastern path, some have spoken not of ecstasy but of instasy, that is to say of a concentric movement, of detachment of the mind from the object and from the external world of phenomena, of an interiorizing convergence towards the deeper ego, the divine self. All this had been clearly seen by the metaphysical teachings, it is, in a way, related by the ancients to the distinction between the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries. Undoubtedly, metaphysics also recognizes that between the concentric and the vertical realization there is a rupture of continuity, a hiatus, but it is just the ability to surmount this hiatus actively that gives to the real initiate his chrism. This is the essential point. The Spirit. He admits that that path is characterized by depersonalization, by the overcoming of the personality and attainment of a naked ego, which, like the new, is pre-conceptual, pre-effective, pre-volitional. He speaks of the opposition that exists in regard to time between the Judeo-Christian view of creation from which, in his opinion, precedes the idea of historical development, more or less in terms of progress, and the Eastern conception of the world as an unchangeable emanation, as a pure symbol and perpetual image of a metacosmic and timeless reality. That is why no Christian will ever awaken. The Judeo-Christian places himself outside of society-slash-reality, so he cannot awaken. That is why his obsession with change because he is not in reality. The worst thing is that no one excludes him from reality but himself, for it is he who wants to improve society by his cult of progress. The way the West has treated COVID is not new, it wants to control nature and obviously it can't. 
This is how millions of people got infected with vaccines or pseudo-vaccines, and will pay dearly in their bodies this death choice. What I am about to say will make even more Christians seethe, because all the keys to initiation are encrypted in their books. But there, he is no longer the initiatory branch to form the young. Christianism is therefore a dead cult. The whole initiatory process is no longer known from the Christian church, if it has ever been known. Mystics are able to orient themselves anywhere even in a dead society. They just need the word of other mystics who passed before them where they pass. But Christianism is useless and destructive to society because it no longer has an initiatory branch. We will not make note, nor will we go back to what Celsus ironically pointed out in this connection, when he said that it is because they know only a fragment of a cycle that the Christians and the Jews speak so much of history and of the end of the world. LOL. The esoteric tradition has been lost in the West, not totally, the cycles are present in the Bible to whoever can see them. Once again, we fall back on this newborn naked cult that is Christianism which is not aware of the scope of its texts. Involutionary conception of history, becoming more and more apparent in the West. But the Christian feels that he has arrived. Where? Nobody knows. Good for him, he will rejoice even more in what is to come. Everything is interpreted theistically by this idiot. Whereas the esoteric message is the opposite. The break in the West was made by him. And therefore he will not be the saving element of the West. The contrary. He will continue to contribute to the destruction of the West. What the Catholic has never understood by mixing paganism and Judeo-Christian altruism. With a mystical character but not with an initiatory character. From Revolt Against the Modern World by Julius Evola. Thus, in comparison with historical Judaism, primitive Christianity may be credited with a mystical character along the same lines of prophetism, but not with an initiatory character. We should never forget though that if Christianity developed from the ancient Jewish tradition, Orthodox Judaism developed in an independent fashion through the Talmud and the Kabbalah, which represents an initiatory tradition that was always missing in Christianity. The Christian, the destroyer of the traditional society. From Studies in the Cult of Yahweh, Volume 1. Studies in Historical Method, Ancient Israel, Ancient Judaism by Morton Smith. It is important to realize that esotericism admits of degrees, and to consider the possibility that what we have from Qumran is mostly the exoteric literature of an esoteric sect. The most important things are never revealed to the public or heavily heavily encrypted in esoteric texts. Initiation is not reserved for those who do not want to make any effort. The Holy Spirit is not outside as Christians repeat. If you destroy the mind. What's left? From the Ultimate Canon of Knowledge by Alvin Boyd K. Symbolism constitutes a language extending beyond the written or spoken idioms. It was when ignorance and grossly material misconception distorted the transparent imagery of symbols into caricature and falsity that the interior import of mythology and archetypal concepts faded out and left intelligence holding the husks and empty shells of truth. As the outward and visible form of an idea, a symbol is still the magic wand to awaken intelligence. One of the originators of medical science, the physicist and philosopher Galen, speaks of the mystery cults as grounding their system of medical morality upon the natural mystery. The rituals were a sacred drama, portraying the principles of moral and spiritual truth by representations drawn from nature. Nature is the great teacher of man, for it is the revelation, it presents its symbols to us and adds nothing by way of explanation. Adds nothing. Mind does not perceive principles, the spirit behind does. We have degrees of functioning. The mind is useful in daily life for achieve activities, if you follow it to the letter you will see that it always tells you what action to take, according to the situation. But the mind cannot understand the principles. 
only the spirit can. For they are revealed to that level only. That is why the esotericist keeps quiet. Some truths can't be revealed to mind-oriented only people. The adept must purify himself first and then these truths will be revealed to him. What we are, humans, is the most evolved living thing. To employ nature's universal symbolism instead of technicalities of language, discloses its secret to everyone in proportion to his power to comprehend it. Massey's view that mankind passed through an early stage in which nature symbolism was a universal idiom in religious literature is well buttressed by all the intimations and root motivations underlying that prodigious creation of the early genius of mankind whose efforts produced the literary wonder of mythology. It is doubtful if modernity has yet grasped the import of ancient mythology as a whole, much less interpreted truly and lucidly the individual myths. Christians don't understand the myth of the Savior, so. From the Traveler's Key to Ancient Egypt, a Guide to Sacred Places by John Anthony West. Massey detested the organized, institutionalized church, yet recognized the Christian revelation as an expression of the esotericism of Egypt. He considered Christianity a garbled and perverse battlerization of the original and believed that there was no historical Jesus at all, that early Christians in their ignorance had taken the great spiritual teaching of Egypt and turned it into a spurious historical event which, because undemonstrable, could not help but eventually arouse opposition and generate its own demise. There is a little more to this cult than the Egyptian aspect, although all the rites are Egyptian. Schwalert Lubitsch regarded the Christian-slash-Egypt connection altogether differently. He maintained that the laws of Genesis were universal and applied to everything, that galaxies and planets and people and civilizations were all subject to the separate stages of conception, gestation, birth, growth, maturity, senescence, death and renewal. The West will not save itself, Christianity represented an organic development an unfolding of the original Egyptian doctrine. In Egypt the esotericism of the temple was in a sense open to all, in that the secrets were revealed to those who asked the right questions, but as far as the general public was concerned, salvation and consciously directed spiritual development were restricted to the few. The role of Christianity, according to Schwaller de Lubitsch, was to take salvation out of the temple and to make it available to all, an option that was at once a privilege and birthright, and a mighty responsibility. But there can be no doubt whatever that in its essentials the spiritual message of the Osiris, Isis, Horus myth and the Christian revelation is the same. From a handbook of traditional living, theory and practice, book one of two by Rido. All traditional systems articulate their doctrines on two levels. One a popular, external level, exotericism, the other an inner, symbolic and allegorical level, esotericism. The latter expresses the highest and most essential character of any doctrine. It concerns metaphysical teaching and is revealed to a minority alone, a necessarily qualified elite capable of understanding it. The elite preserves a body of metaphysical and transformative doctrines that allow the individual to effectively attain spiritual knowledge. But, before you need to destroy the ego and its mind which is positioned in front of this direct knowledge. That of exotericism is the level of religion, religious dogmas, devotion and emotion, which never leads beyond individuality. Hence. Every religion is adapted to the conditions suited for a given peoples in given ages. I have thus never been in fight against religions, because they have their uses, but always in fight against the religious, which is very different. They are useless. While a degree of religious intolerance can occur in the realm of exotericism, no such thing can occur on the level of esotericism, for esoteric doctrine is one, universal and eternal. It is for this reason that the pagan society was universal and that the Judeo-Christians proclaim themselves universal and egalitarian and they are not since they are obliged to make laws to deal with these problems of universality. 
self-pacifying. While exotericism often supports religious fundamentalism, esotericism always affirms the transcendental unity of religions and traditional forms. The symbolism of the mountain can be seen to convey this reality, many paths lead upward, towards the same goal. Such a view, which emphasizes unity, should not be confused with syncretism, or, worse still, with the kind of forgery of the sacred that is promoted by neo-spiritualist movements like theosophy, anthroposophy, ufology and occultism. At best, syncretism and neo-spiritualism lead to the superimposition of elements of different origin, which are merely brought together by human agency. These pseudo-religious paths exploit and mangle the rules and symbols of different traditional forms, leading their followers to ruin. To remove oneself both from the company of religious fundamentalists, is one of the best steps that any man mindful of traditional specificities can take. To remove oneself both from the company of religious fundamentalists, who foster fratricidal strife, and DIY neo-spiritualists is one of the best steps that any man mindful of traditional specificities can take in order to avoid falling victim to subversion. Give yourself a Christmas present, Christmas, Christ and Mass. Get away from all this Western ecosystem. I shout it, you cannot live in a non-viable ecosystem, among non-viable people. To believe that you can awaken or that the nature of awakening is this new age syncretist verbiage of living among the madmen is false. Awakening is knowing its true nature, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you enter duality, the mind is forced to be the organ of the everyday because it was designed like this, for organization of daily tasks, what the spirit doesn't care about. This means, then, that once you are awake nothing touches anymore but you still have to deal with this reality daily. You are not going to levitate 20 centimeters off the ground once you are awake. This thought has been going on as long as the exoteric has taken over the society. You don't have to be nice with shitty people. The opposite. This is absolutely not the goal of enlightenment and leads only to the subversion of man by man. That is why I repeat that this Judeo-Christian thought of turning the other cheek has given rise to communism and tens of millions of deaths where we could have killed an agitating minority and not had what has been the 20th century of horror. Tradition is synonymous with truth and justice, as it represents the affirmation of order against the falsehood and rebellion that inform a modern view of life. Another characteristic of tradition is its direct link with authority, a term deriving from the Indo-European root August equals to increase. Tradition brings to mind the notion of authority, which is directly connected to imperium, sovereign, ordering force. Imperium is that power bestowed by divinity, which is connected to virtue and kingship, the figure of the king embodying political, military, legislative and religious power. One example of imperium is aristocratic society, in which authority creates a natural distinction among men according to the value, role, vocation and quality of each person. The ideal, organic and traditional state is regulated by four castes, priests, warriors, producers and servants. These castes symbolically correspond to the division of the human body into head-slash-brain, priests, breast-slash-heart, warriors, stomach-slash-liver, producers, and limbs, servants. Caste means law and order. Every human activity, on the other hand, offers the same possibility of spiritual elevation, to fulfill one's duty is to contribute to the implementation of order and hence to partake in the metaphysical principle. The political and social reflection of this perspective can be found in the organization of the Indo-European peoples, who divided their own communities according to three chief functions corresponding to the three aspects of being, soul, spirit and body, the fourth function being reserved for servants. The first function corresponds to the mysterious administration of the universe, with its divine laws and rituals, and embodies the affirmation of a general cosmic order in the world of men. 
This is the function of priests, who guard the primordial and holy knowledge and actualize the sacred by means of ritual. When decadence first took its course, kings were replaced by priests. As spiritual authority became separate from temporal, a lunar form of spirituality came to prevail, and the virile element assumed a passive role before the female, embodied by Demeter. This decadence allowed priests to be invested with power that was neither regal nor sacred, but merely material and secular. With the advent of the merchant caste, instead, a utilitarian view of economy came to permeate all aspects of life, wealth and material gain thus became the highest ideals. This is what we have experienced until the last few months, when we have seen movements like BLM which mean that we are in the fourth phase. The prevailing of the servant caste, with its darkness, has led to the folly of collectivism. Even if the collectivist movements of the 20th century were only the beginning, now the bourgeois society has been destroyed totally. That's why I say it will be even more violent than before. And if with the COVID and the world blockade, you still haven't understood. Now we are in the people era, the total anarchy and what you believe will stand will fall soon.